Sunshine Chunk and Tony Show. It's the awesome Chunk and Tony Show. It's the Chunk and Tony Show. It's called Afternoon Gap. Is that right? It's the Chunk and Tony Show. It's the awesome Chunk and Tony Show. It's the Chunk and Tony Show. It's called Afternoon Gap. Oh yeah. Hello and welcome to the 46th episode of Afternoon Yap. I'm Chunk the Punk and with me today is my co-host and author of the book, Let's Get Savage, the unauthorized and unnecessary biography of Fred Savage. It's my good pal, Tony. Did you say unnecessary? Yeah. (laughs) I completely disagree with that. The Savage Hour podcast coming to you soon. On today's episode, we're going to cover the news of the week in video games, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, The Evil Within 2, and finally a review of the SNES classic, Tony Baloney. Wait, I think you forgot a review of the giant Junior Bacon Cheeseburger from Wendy's. Uh, that's what I want to get into. A special, a special bonus a treat. A special bonus. Um... Is it better hot? I, I wanted to be more impressed by the giant junior. You, you take the mic while well, I take a nice You take bite. a bite, I'll take the mic. So, folks, if you're unaware, we'll be starting a new segment entitled... Fred Savage. Fred, the Savage. Well, the Savage Hour will be the new podcast. We'll be starting a new segment here on the Afternoon Yap called the Wendy's Menu Fiesta, where we'll be taste testing a new menu item from the Wendy's uh, signature line of offerings the one on the agenda today is the giant junior bacon cheeseburger not to be confused with the junior bacon cheeseburger which you may all be familiar with now it's got less calories because it's a junior i when you told me about this i was stunned (laughs) i was floored because the junior bacon cheeseburger is almost the perfect, Man, can I just perfect say, you're, meal. You're coming at me with a lot of really good enthusiasm, I'm and I'm really happy about you, it. See, the thing is, you're you get really excited about video games. I get really excited about highly processed, low. Uh, I get I get excited about Wendy's. T- tell me so, the story about when they said, uh, well, "So, what kind of sauce would you no, like?" No, so with I mean, your you told you told me that this thing existed, and I didn't believe you. I pulled up to the Wendy's, and you texted me right when I was pulling up there, and told me to get it. And I was looking on the ninety nine cent meal because I figured it was just a tiny little junior bacon cheeseburger. But no, it's the full blown meal for the low low cost of five dollars. <laughs> and folks. You get it with this meal, a junior bacon cheeseburger. But, Big smile. But throw another slab of beef on there, another piece of cheese, and some more applewood smoked bacon. And, oh, my God, what a what a surprise when I opened up that bag to find that in addition to French fries, you get nuggets. God bless you, sir. And oh, like, get out of here. My God, I thought there was a mistake. I drove <laughs> back around and I said, excuse me, you've given me too much food. And they said, no, sir. That's yours. Mm-hmm. And again, I just passed out behind the wheel. It's delicious. It's so good. The Junior Giant Bacon Cheeseburger. I mean, burger. what a way to ring in a Thursday. The delicious burger. Some oh. nice podcasting. I've got some. I've had it twice this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Love it. Uh, this is the podcast uh, burger uh, savage hour. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back. Uh, I got a new TV this week. So uh, the good people at Moropication showed up last Saturday. I came home from work, As you turned slept. on my TV, heard this loud pop. The bulb was exploding mm. inside my Mitsubishi they TV gotcha. that I've had for seven years. Texted my wife. She was at work, and I was like, hey, can I go buy this TV? She said, I don't care. I've got a 60-inch 4K <laughs> HDR TV. And, oh, boy, Tony. It's a beaut. It, 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 now I know how you feel when your second kid was born. Like that kind of happiness. We just why second kid? Because <laughs> it makes me laugh. 
because the first the first was your you're like oh your no i don't Xbox know if i can one. handle this and your second one you're like okay this is four years later like i think i've got the hang of this i'll tell you what no because i i the i get would get more joy out of getting a 60 inch <laughs> flat screen tv than another child love uh, you guys um, got my Halloween costumes finally picked out. Oh my God. So we're going to a Halloween party and my wife, God bless her. She kept on coming up with bad ideas and there's nothing worse than like husband, wife duo costumes. She Agreed. sent me one that was like cop, like robbers, you mm. know, with like the stripes. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I really take Halloween seriously. Yeah. There's not many things that I do take seriously in this world, but a Halloween costume is a big one. Weird that that would be the one that you take, <laughs> that that's the one thing you take seriously. We got, I'm Bowser and she's Yoshi and they're totally legitimate. They've got these awesome little hats that you put on top with, yeah. their, with their faces. I've got like armbands on mine and a backpack of the Koopa shell. They've got these little nice little tails on the fanny. Oh my God, we are going to scare up some fun, Tony. I'm genuinely surprised you didn't stick with your Pikachu and make her be Ash. Well, Pikachu, uh, we thought about that. Yeah. And that's the easy thing to do. That Pikachu costume is not comfortable to wear. It's about 10 years old at this point, so it's it's tired. Uh, a little but- ripe. But what would you say? A little ripe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Bowser, Yoshi, oh boy. And to segue into that goodness, yeah. I don't know. I've been texting you this week. Sometimes you're busy. Sometimes you just ignore me. I don't care. Oh, I'm, no, I'm never I'm never busy. Did you see the pictures that I sent you? Did you no. see what I got this week? No. A SNES Mini. Oh, yeah. you. Yep, In yeah. Walmart. I, sh- I, was, I went into Walmart because I needed a uh, battery for my, my starter for my car. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell, man? I'll go check electronics. There's two in there. I go back there, and there's two of them. And you know when your heart kind of starts to go? Yeah. Like, After I had that giant junior bacon <laughs> cheeseburger, the second one this week, my heart so started to go. I saw it, and I immediately start zooming around electronics department. And I finally find this Melvin, and I was like, hey, man, like, there's something in the glass that I have got to get out right now Like with this kind of enthusiasm. And mm-hmm. he's like, all right, all right, I'm helping somebody. I was like, if you don't help me, somebody else is going to get this. Right. So I went back to the glass and, and like a there. five-year-old sat in front of it with my <laughs> arms crossed and like, come on, come on. Oh, I thought come. you were blocking, blocking the view from oh, I everybody was else. The yeah, view. So no I was totally blocking it. the view. Come yeah. on, come on. And he comes back. This kid is not pumped to be helping me. And I'm just no. all, you know, just all smiles. And sweat. I was like, get both of those out right now. You got both of them? Yep. I, well, I got both of them. I sent the other one to my buddy that lives in Virginia. That's nice of you. He just got his today. He uh, he said that I'm a saint. Uh, he made a picture of me as person of the year. And wow. he gets to... This is a guy that uh, was absolutely – he loves Mario games, but he was not allowed to get a Super Nintendo when he was a kid. Mm. Uh, his parents were like, you got a Nintendo. That is your Nintendo. So he is just now getting into Super Mario World, which is probably going to change his life. And, Definitely. And, and, and like, <laughs> me and Katie were upstairs playing, just going through all the games. And I was like, here, Super, Mar- or Super Mario World, try this out. And – She's never played it before, mm-hmm. and it is you – know, I'm kind of getting a little frustrated. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, come on. Like, this yeah. isn't all that hard, and I right. just forget that I've Beat been Beat her playing. run. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Run. Yes. You're walking. It was like this foreign concept. I was like, well, what you got to do is you kind of hold Y to run, and then you – press with the bottom of your thumb B to jump and she's like so I should always be running I was like no you shouldn't always be running yeah. but run when you've got an opportunity to 
she's just like, I, I don't know if this is like really fun. And I was like, yeah. you'll get better, but I just might not need to but, be. But you should just give it to me. Yeah, you just give it back to yeah. me. And that's what I kept on doing. I was like, oh, you got to the to the ghost mansion? I It's a puzzle. and I'll take it. You know, I know that I got straight C's in high school and college and you're a straight A student. But why don't I'll you take leave it from the here. video games to me? Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to review the SNES Classic at the end of the episode. But, Tony Baloney, yep. I wanted to do something fun today. Okay. And uh, about, a, what, two months ago, three months ago, we yep. made our own anthropomorphic... Anthropomorphic animal battling battle toad replacement. Yes. For that would be sponsored by the afternoon. And I what did we come up with? What did we land on? It was something like Violet Schnauzers or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, something terrible like that. Uh, what was the really good schnauzers? one? Something like that. I don't remember what were some of there the There were some ones, ones with some great alliteration that you passed on, and I think we even got some, some nasty grams from <laughs> Yap Nation Yeah, about the mistakes in judgment. But, like, I love horror characters, and horror. we need to make our own. Afternoon Yap needs to have our own, so we're bringing back the bracket this week. Do you want to walk us through this and how this is going to how this is going to work yeah but we're definitely not making our own so you're you're off base there this is instead my friend a, well you talk a you take another giant bite. jbc time Call, what's your name so we're gonna do a, a 16 uh character elimination style tournament here single single elimination of some of the most well-known and iconic horror villains now i'm gonna i'm gonna really ask you to not vote because it's all you. This is all for you. I'm doing this for you. But please, it's not a popularity contest. Okay. I, I'm going to tell you a little bit. I got a little spiel here about each one of these characters. I'm going to tell you about them. I'm going to maybe reveal some of their powers, their history, what they're good at. And I I want you to vote on who would win, not who you like the most. Okay, okay? fair enough. Is I can that do fair? That. Yeah, I can do that. Okay, so just a quick rundown of, the t- of who we got here. We got Michael Myers. We got Killer Tomatoes from the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes movie. We got, of course, the alien xenomorph. We've got the Predator. We're going to settle that once and for all. <laughs> we got Pinhead. We got the Leprechaun. We got Freddy Krueger. We got Chucky. I love that the Leprechaun is in here. Of course he is. We got Jason Voorhees. Uh, Norman Bates coming out of nowhere. Yeah. The Lawnmower Man. Talk about coming out of nowhere. Yeah. Leatherface. Pennywise. Uh, killer Clowns from Outer Space. Candyman and the Creeper. Now, the Creeper, that's from... Uh... Jeepers Creepers. Oh, okay. Don't worry. If you're confused at all, we're going to run through them. Okay. I, I copied the... I Correction. The unpaid interns here at the Yap Nation did some extensive research, and they have a little spiel for each one of these characters here. They didn't really proofread, I don't think, and they're not sure how long this is going to take, but they're going to give you a little recap on everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, sit tight. We'll get to the video games. Ladies and gentlemen, we both we all know that this is what you're really tuning in yeah. for. You can tune out when the video games start. Here we go. Are you ready? First battle. Michael Myers versus the Killer Tomatoes. Michael Myers needing no introduction. He is the primary antagonist in the Halloween film series. Myers is generally depicted as a mute human male of above average height with near superhuman speed and strength and commonly characterized, as John Carpenter would put it, as an almost supernatural force, a force of nature, a force of evil that is unkillable. Facing off against the Killer Tomatoes, which are a loose affiliation of giant sentient ill-tempered tomatoes i mean would it be a ton of tomatoes let's call it six tomatoes okay the Michael but Myers. they're giant sentient ill-tempered tomatoes it's still not playing favorites because i'm not a big halloween fan okay michael myers michael myers takes it over the killer tomatoes 
So, folks, if you're keeping score at home, that's one point for Michael Myers. All right, next one, the alien xenomorph uh, versus the predator. The xenomorph is a highly aggressive extraterrestrial species featured from the much... Uh, what? Featured in the much-beloved and much-maligned alien franchise. The human phenotype is generally around 7 to 8 feet tall and roughly some kind of metric number of kilograms in weight. He has a long muscular tail and a large curved oblong head, much like you. Highly aggressive towards all living life forms. Also like me. Also like you. (laughs) The xenomorph favors stealth tactics to ambush its prey, possesses incredible strength, speed, resistance, and just for kicks has acid for blood, I have reaching the choir here. I know. Yeah, I have like cholesterol for blood after all these JVCs. <laughs> the Predator is an extraterrestrial speech species featured in the Predator franchise, known as the Yauta or Hishquiten. They are characterized by their trophy hunting of other species for sport. They possess natural strength, speed, and durability far above even that of Major Alan Dutch Schaefer, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Predator is further supported with an array of technological advanced weaponry such as active camouflage, directed energy weapons, and interstellar travel chunk. In the classic battle, once and for all, settle it on the afternoon yap. Who wins? The aliens would always win. Okay. Aliens, folks. Bold choice. Next up, we got Pinhead versus the Leprechaun. Now, Pinhead, in one of my favorite summaries here, he is the leader of the Xenobites, former humans transformed into creatures which reside in an extraterrestrial, an extra-dimensional realm who travel to Earth through a puzzle box called the Lament Configuration, Lament Configuration, in order to harvest human souls. His origins and the nature of the Cenobites vary, depending upon the medium, ranging from an immoral entity blindly devoted to the practice of experimental sadomasochism, later depictions portraying him as an explicitly evil and even demonic in origin. His preferred method of attack is summoning hooks and chains to mutilate victims, often pulling said victims in several directions to tear them apart. These chains are subject to his total mental control, and he may direct them at will. Pinhead is highly resistant to damage and direct assault, being able to resist gunshots and futuristic energy weapons, and his magic may be used to create objects out of thin air, teleport, create explosions, and to deceive opponents with illusions. He's a powerful song. Powerful son of a gun, but he's facing off against the wily leprechaun. <laughs> Lubdon, also known as the leprechaun, is the main antagonist of the 1993 comedy horror film franchise, Leprechaun. Also starring Jennifer Aniston, little known fact. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. He is a leprechaun who kills anyone who steals his gold. The leprechaun is extremely sadistic, aggressive, bloodthirsty, and dangerous. He craves mischief, death, obstruct, destruction, chaos, and gold. His sadism is displayed by him, usually making gruesome poetry while killing a victim. He is also known to be rather perverted and provocative, <laughs> using his magic to manipulate women for naughty purposes. Yep. His powers include magic, teleportation, strength, immortality, mind control, trickery, telekinesis, pyrokinesis, and esokinesis, which I'm told is reality warping. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we got two perverts here with magic powers facing off. He also had one adventure. It was called Leprechaun in the Hood. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, now, this I want to watch all these movies. Listen, actually. I'm matching them up for specific purposes. You got two. How do I not do favorites here, though? Are you just perverts. saying who would win in a battle? I'm telling you, if Pinhead is over there in this corner, Leprechaun is over in this corner, and they're about to do some really perverty magic, who's going to win? Pinhead. Pinhead. But, God, I would be rooting for the Leprechaun. I would. I mean, you got her. He's kind of the underdog I'd but root I, for him, I, too. You know. I'm smart with my money. Okay. Pinhead takes the win. Next up, we've got Freddy Krueger, deserving or needing no introduction, and Chucky. Now, Freddy Krueger 
uh, is the main antagonist from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. He first appeared in Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street in 1984 as a child killer who eventually uh, was captured but was let off due to a technicality. He's hunted down by a mob of angry parents and cornered in a boiler room where he used to take his victim. The mob doused him in gasoline and sets him on fire, burning him alive. While his body dies, his spirit lives on in the dreams of a group of teenagers living in his old neighborhood whom he preys on by entering their dreams and killing them. What a jerk. He uses a glove armed with razors uh, and enters people's dreams, causing their deaths in the real world. In the dream world, he is a powerful force and almost completely invulnerable. However, when Freddy is pulled into the real world, he has normal human vulnerabilities. That's Freddy Krueger for you. Matching up against who else but the child monster kid toy himself, Chucky. Chucky, uh, also known as the Lakeshore Strangler, is the main antagonist of the Child's Play franchise. He's a voodoo-obsessed serial killer who, upon his death, managed to transfer his consciousness into a pint-sized good guy doll. Despite his small size and stature, Chucky has the strength and speed of a full-grown human adult and has shown the ability to easily restrain and kill people over three times his size with little to no difficulty. He's a psychopath, incapable of feeling remorse or guilt, but is also very intelligent and capable of planning out complex traps, scenarios, and escaping from many situations. Chucky is also competent in voodoo magic chunk. And he also says, give me the power I beg of you! You've got a child killer in one corner and a kind of child in the other corner. Who's taking this one? It's Fred Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Oh, yeah. All right. Freddy K. All right. Nicely done. Switching over to the other side of the bracket, we've got Jason Voorhees versus Norman Bates. Normie, I don't think you are long for this world, my friend. Jason Voorhees, he is the title titular? Titular? The titular. Titular? The titular. It's a funny word. Titular character. Uh, antagonist of the Friday 13th franchise. He was born physically deformed, much like you, but after his death, he returns as a machete-wielding serial killer, again, much like you. His skills and abilities include super strength, durability, pain suppression, enhanced tracking, and apparent immortality. Jason! In the very black corner, wearing the very black trunks. <laughs> and in the other corner... We've got Normie. Little Normie. Likes to dress up like his mom. Pretty much, he, uh, he's an serial killer and keeper of the Bates Motel in California. He suffers from disassociative identity disorder and psychopathic behavior, believing himself to be his controlling mother. Uh, when mother personality takes over, Bates flies into a murderous rage, targeting women who arouse him, usually while dressed in her clothing. <laughs> He is known Looks to have. Like he has known to have eventually killed his mother he and kept in. her mummified corpse in the basement of his house for many years. Norman possesses high intelligence, average strength, and endurance. Let's give it up to Norman Bates, who takes it. Oh, Jason! I, why are you even asking? Stupid question. It would be a quick battle. I mean, it's fun to think about Norman kind of coming never, out on I've, top. I think I've maybe watched half of that movie, but that's that's some dark stuff. If he kills ladies that he's attracted to well yeah he kind of pe- he kind of uh purrs on them when they're uh in the hotel i think he's got peepholes and stuff uh-huh and then uh he puts on mommy's jason clothes. doesn't peep well he always goes after the new girls but he just peeping. murders he's not interested in any of that i think he might be jason Voorhees. jason Voorhees takes the win all right <clears throat> moving on riveting stuff here we've got the lawnmower man his name was job smith he was originally a gardener with a severe mental handicap much like you who was apparently abandoned to the care of an abusive hypocritical 
hypocritical priest at an early age. He works at he worked at a lands, as a landscaper, eventually befriending Dr. Lawrence Angelo, a researcher with virtual uh, and a virtual reality pioneer who worked for Virtual Space Industries. Your dream job. Angelo saw potential in Job, realizing that the technology he was working on could help Job achieve and perhaps even exceed a normal level of intellect. Job responded well to the treatment, and before long, his intellect even exceeded Angelo's, giving him eventually the ability to rapidly create and manipulate virtual worlds in the blink of an eye. He possesses a genius-level intellect, telepathy, telekinesis, and has the ability to disintegrate objects and people at a molecular level, which would probably come in handy. And he's facing off against Leatherface, who's basically just a crazy guy who puts people's skin on his face and has a chainsaw. Dude, the lawnmower man. Yeah. I think that's some really cutting edge. I love that you cutting cut, edge. Cut, no, there's some really, but, yeah. but chainsaw. That's good. <laughs> oh, no, but the, the lawnmower man, when it debuted, it had cutting edge. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, computer graphic CG. Dude, that should have that it. should have been the tagline for that film. <laughs> Lawnmower Man, cutting edge. Lawnmower Man, okay. <laughs> right? Yes. Because he's a lawnmower. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving on. This is a classic matchup here and very timely. We got the clowns. This is the clown battle. Are you ready? I, I love I love the second one that you picked because you've probably never seen it, and I love that movie. Oh, are you kidding me? I've okay. I I should stop assuming. Movie stuff. used to scare the living you assume the hell things, out of me. You don't get to eat junior bacon. It's interesting. It's interesting because I haven't seen it. The yeah. and I have seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space. But first up, we got Pennywise. Pennywise is an evil entity that is almost as old as time itself. Although most well known for his uh, crimes featured in the recent feature film. He has committed other crimes not mentioned in the film. I think this probably comes from the book, such as murdering over 300 settlers from sometime in 1740 to 1773. Not nice. As well as a group of lumberjacks between 1876 and 1879. Pretty random. It also took on many more forms uh, than were featured in the film, such as Dracula, a homeless leper, a giant bird, Frankenstein's monster, leeches, piranhas, the witch from the classic fairy tale Hansel and Gretel, the statue of Paul Bunyan, and the shark from Jaws, uh, Stephen King did a lot of drugs while writing that book. A yeah. whole bunch, a whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, Pennywise possesses cocaine vast, mainly, a lot right? of, lot of cocaine. Pennywise possesses vast supernatural powers, including reality warping, shape shifting, teleportation, partial invisibility, only partial invisibility, and telekinesis. Not to mention superhuman strength, speed, and near invulnerability. And he's facing off against a gang, a gang of killer clowns from outer space. One of the best '80s movies probably ever uh they are evil aliens that resemble circus clowns and use a variety of seemingly innocent methods to ensnare their victims such as killer shadow puppets bloodhound like balloon animals a cotton candy ray gun that cocoons people within a cotton candy like substance i mean the way they kill so that people. they can be consumed at a later date with a big <laughs> straw that they stick through there and suck out their innards uh since the methods themselves appear whimsical their victims often don't realize that they are in danger until it's too late chunk who takes this victory it's a battle of clowns pennywise versus the killer clowns from outer space uh, the killer clowns awesome that's a, i think that's an underdog victory so i love that all right killer clowns take it so and this is the last battle in round one we've got a kind of another random guy candy man that He's pretty random, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty random. He's one of those B-level. We're going to continue with rounds two and three a little later in the yeah, episode. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we got Candyman taking on the Creeper, all right? 
God, this is so hot. This is hot. Uh, we got the Candyman. He is the titular main antagonist of the 1992 slasher horror film of the same name and its sequels. He takes the form of a lean, tall, six foot five African American man. And really, why wouldn't you? Have you seen Candyman before? Of course. Okay. His attire consists of a large brown fur trench coat. Love it. A white cravat, of course. Gray pants. Pair of polished leather shoes. And a bloody hook in place of his right hand, which he uses to mutilate his victims. Uh, his trench coat also conceals his grotesque mutilations, the product of torture that he suffered shortly before his death. Underneath, he has a skinless ribcage and a hollowed-out abdomen, as well as, as well as his internal organs that are being infested by bees. A lot, of, a lot Some, going on there. Lots lot, of process. A lot going on under, you, underneath you that trench coat. let that marinate for a second. On the outside... A dapper-looking African-American yeah. man, very attractive, inside, hollowed-out abdomen, lots of I don't bees. think anybody's ever looked in the mirror and said the C-M word three times since that movie has come out. I, I, yeah. I, I, I won't even say that. I we, won't should, even... we should take a break, do it, yeah. and then maybe the episode just cuts <laughs> yeah, out and forever. Then, yep, it's and the last episode. Yep. <laughs> that actually would be really funny. Uh, his powers include immortality, intelligence, above-average speed, above-average strength, the ability to summon swarms of bees, I guess from his uh, abdomen, uh, teleportation, and levitation. And he's facing off against the Creeper. A very That's, inter- that's me. If that's you. 25 <laughs> no, at the bar. The other Creeper. The other Creeper. Not not 40-year-old guys Could at the bar. Would you like a back rub? No, how, I- how shitty of a horror movie would that be? The Creeper. Starring Chunk. It's just a guy's dog. Don't you want some water? I think you drank too much. Here's some water. Would just you like a back rub? Walks behind girls and just breathes heavily. <laughs> yeah. Can I get your phone number? All right, so this is actually an interesting matchup because the Creeper, of course, is the uh, titular character from Jeepers Creepers. He's a nearly invincible demon that comes to life every 23 years, and he possesses the ability to regenerate parts of his body by devouring a similar part from a victim. In this matter, he has survived since biblical times. He can discard injured or maimed body parts after ingesting a replacement version. He employs a variety of weapons in his pursuit of food. He carries daggers and shurikens made from the flesh and bones of his victims. He also uses a medieval battle axe, and he drives a very large, old-fashioned, rusted truck equipped with a cow catcher on the front, which he uses to transport bodies, dead or alive, to a cave, Underneath an old church, through a sewer <laughs> pipe, which he sews his victims to the ceiling. Yeah. That's a great sentence. Um, so he he can ingest other people's body parts to regenerate, uh-huh. but he's facing off against Candyman. His body parts are just a bunch of bees. Did I ever tell you this story? My buddy went and saw this movie when it premiered like ten years ago, and he Candyman. Yeah, no, no, no. Are Jeepers we still Creepers. On, we're on Creeper, Creeper, right? He went and saw Jeepers Creepers when it came out when he was in college, and it was in inner it's city. A good movie, inner city Cleveland, and I guess there was these two little kids right at the front, and there was a yeah. scene where he kills somebody and he puts this big hat on, mm-hmm. and I guess this little kid rang out. Now he's a pimp. <laughs> <laughs> that's a can- that's Candyman is the yeah, pimp yeah. actually, but yeah. Dude, it's Candyman. Candyman. That movie is terrifying. Candyman. I do- this is my favorite battle because I don't. It's I don't know who would win. Well, I don't, I don't see the creeper getting looking in the mirror and saying Candyman three times. Well, but yeah, but you got to imagine for the purposes of this battle, they're both here in your basement duking it out. Don't make me say it twice. It's Candyman. 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 Well, I'll make you say it three times. Oh, 
Candyman. While looking in the mirror. Hey! All right, Candyman takes it. All right. That's let, it for round one. That's it for round one. We are going to move on to the news, uh, but we will come back with round two here later on in the episode. Yeah, I'm you excited. You ready? You want to you wildly switch gears right now? I can't wait to talk more about video <laughs> games We're just gonna go I don't real, care about. Let's do quick. it. La, 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 la. Blah, blah, uh, blah, blah. EA, number one, EA has announced that the Amy Hennig-directed Visceral Games Star Wars titles will be refocused and developed by other EA studios while Visceral Games closes down. Uh, Visceral Games is closing down, which they are the good people that made Dead Space. Oh. Dead Space 2. Dead Space 3. Uh, I'm familiar was, with the anime. The, the games are absolutely fantastic. Too scary. But what had happened was was Dead Space came out. What it was kind happened of a, was? It was kind of a sleeper hit. And EA pressured it to make it much more of an accessible game. So the second one was bigger, not so much better, but uh, it it became more and more action-oriented, kind of like what happened to the Resident Evil series. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing happened to the third one, which was a much bigger production, um, uh, a longer game, and bogged down with like this weird love story. And along the way, they kind of lost what they were going for, which was this terrifying um, survival horror story. And now, I, I, that is at the end of the sentence. And I was like, oh, man, that's terrible. Like, I didn't think that a dead space was going to be coming soon. Um, I, I would assume that probably in five or six years, they will probably reboot it. It still belongs to EA. But that's really, really sad. Like, that was a great studio that had a vision that was totally run into the ground by its publisher. Um, but I don't know if you've heard about this uh, Amy Hennig-directed uh, uh, visceral, uh, this Star Wars game that was going to come out, but it was supposed to be a bounty hunter roaming the seedy levels of Coruscant. That sounds fun. And it was supposed to be very story-driven, uh, a big campaign. And now that Visceral is closing, uh, EA is changing it into this droid-based battle royale game with eSport tie-ins and loot boxes. I mean, how they're taking a game that is halfway done and they are going to completely Frankenstein it, add in loot boxes, try to make it a competitive game. They're trying to do like a player unknown battlegrounds kind of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, it's so sad. I am, you know, best of luck to all the people at Visceral. That is 100%. They never should have. It's it's so sad that they aren't an independent studio, and that's why a lot of independent studios stay an independent studio, so they can do the things that they want to do. They can release the kind of games that they want to, and they don't have to have pro- uh, pressure from these big publishers because they. Dead Space is wonderful. We were going to talk about Dead Space this week, but it only came out about nine years ago. I absolutely love that game, but it's not something I'm dying to come back to because I. I've only I played it maybe a year or two ago. Again. Not nostalgic enough for not you. nostalgic. It hasn't it it's, hasn't aged. It, it, it hasn't ripened yet. No, to, I to mean the perfect Dead, Dead Space One is absolutely fabulous. It's so sad that Visceral is disbanding because what a great EA studio. Um, Valve is celebrating the 10 year anniversary of Team Fortress Two with a massive multi day update. As detailed by Valve, the first part of the update in Jungle Inferno features six new maps. So a Multiplayer game by Valve that came out 10 years ago. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to all the, all the fans that still play the game. You are going to be getting six new maps. Pretty exciting. I'm excited. <clears throat> A new publishing label has been formed under Sony Music Entertainment. It's called Unties. 
with the intention of publishing games across not just Sony platforms, but others, including the Nintendo Switch and PC as well. They are currently working on a... I, the, the thing that they're going to be doing is Sony is going to be publishing indie games under the Nintendo Switch, which is awesome. I mean, that is really what they need to be doing. There's no reason to have all of this competition in between all the consoles, especially because Nintendo is actually a player this generation. They weren't for the last five years with the release of the Wii U, and they really weren't for the 10 years that the, uh, well, the five or six years that the Wii dominated because it was a drastically different system than the Xbox and the PS3. And now they're kind of back in the space of PlayStation 4. They're back in the space of Xbox One. And so it's very exciting that Sony is getting on board. They're going to be publishing games for the Nintendo Switch, for the PC. So that's just more games for us. Yay. Yay. Uh, Microsoft has outlined the new features included in the fall update for Xbox One, which goes live this week for all users. With the update, players can now personalize their home screen by customizing what they see when they boot up their console, amongst other features. I just tried it out today when I was booting up my Xbox One uh, so that we could play some Castlevania, yeah. and the new update looks great. Uh, the problem with the last few updates were... It's just never been very snappy uh, to get from one menu to the next. It's there's always a little bit of a delay, and I, I seem petty and I seem you know well yeah pretty That's, petty when I'm talking about. It, but it's frustrating. It's like your if deal. you just if you're expecting a snappy kind of uh, uh, menu system and you're not getting that. That's an interface. Yes, a snappy interface. interface. So um, it looks pretty good. It went live this week, and uh, if you got an Xbox One, the next time you turn it on, you should be able to see you're it. You're gonna be snapping. Left and right. <laughs> uh, Sony has revealed new bundles for Star Wars Battlefront 2, including a standard slim model and a special edition PS4 Pro model. The consoles will feature a special mirror finish and the iconic symbols of the Rebellion mm, and Empire, iconic. as well as the emblem for Inferno Squad, the elite Imperial Force feature. Is that really an iconic symbol? Because I'm trying to think of what yeah, the Rebel symbol yeah. looks like, and well, I don't I mean, know what it looks like. It's going to become iconic. Uh, they... They released the trailer for um, the campaign this week. Uh, getting more and more excited for this game. Uh, didn't wasn't excited about the beta, which came out about a week ago. But the first one was it was so it just shallow. looked so good. It was shallow, but it looked so good and it sounded so good. And damn, I just love. It's like a kiddie pool on a hot day. But you played a bunch with me, right? Or yeah. Some. But look at my analogy was beautiful, and you jumped right over it. I, no, I'm not it's jumping like over it. It's like a kiddie pool on a hot day because it's you see it, and it's like, oh, that looks refreshing. I'm gonna dive right. In. You can't dive right in because it's only like six inches deep. But it's like a kiddie pool deep. from your past, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess you're just stepping all over it. My analogy. Keep going. Keep going. Well, it's, that was it. Because it's like you 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 see this beautiful. You're you're hot. You're sweaty. You're excited. But then the pool's only six inches deep, and it's still nice to tip your toes in, but you can't, you I can't go swimming. I swam in that baby pool, baby. Like, yeah? I loved the last Battlefront. I probably put 80 hours into it, and it was, just, it was very simple gameplay. There's no deep end. No deep end. No, no, no deep end. No customization in that deep end yeah. either. Uh, this, this, this game seems to be much more involved. Uh, There's a deep end. I, there is a deep end in this one. I'm just not very excited about uh, the introduction of prequel maps. Okay. Fair enough. But, fair enough. Uh, Sony is going to be introducing new consoles, special edition consoles, this Christmas. Iconic symbols. Iconic symbols that don't exist. That don't exist yet. Uh, 
Uh, Doom is coming to Nintendo Switch on November 10th. Hell yeah. And Skyrim is coming to Nintendo Switch on November 17th. Nintendo and Bethesda announced today. Bethesda is getting very behind uh, the Nintendo Switch. Uh, these are two games. Uh, Doom only came out about a year and a half ago. Skyrim came out seven years ago. But this Skyrim is more in line with the special edition that came out a year ago. But still, you can play Skyrim in a plane. You can play Skyrim on the beach. You can play Skyrim when you're supposed to be spending time with your family. I mean, oh, this is great. now you're talking. I mean, now we're totally talking. Yeah. I mean, th- talk about a game that you can just walk around. And, now that's got a deep end. Yes. Walk around, go it's into It's all towns, deep end. Go into a house. Pick up a book, just sit there and read that book, yeah. and it's a full book, and you go, "Holy crap!" Like developers, did you ever actually do that? No, I no, didn't, but, but you, you could. could do, you, you could, could do, do it yes. if you wanted. If you wanted to, somebody sat down and wrote that thing. <laughs> read it. It's amazing. It jerks. I, I don't think that I'll pick it up. I'm definitely not gonna pick it up for sixty bucks. But when that bad boy gets to be ten bucks. I don't mind going back to the world of Skyrim. No, it's a fantastic game. Make yourself the some architecture armor. in that game is so fun. I, I am very much looking forward to the next Elder Scrolls as game. As fun as architecture can be, I suppose. Don't you agree, though? That world and Don't. walking into those new cities and how different all of them were and how some of them had you know Norse ar- Norse architecture. Uh, and Nordic. Nordic, I'm sorry. Please. Uh, please, for the, you know. Noob. Uh, and Doom is a fantastic game. It'll run a little bit. It won't be. It won't have all the bells and whistles that the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One did. But who cares? It's, it's Doom on the go. Doom on the go. 60 bucks. Take Doom with you wherever you go. Uh, For real this time. The Super NT is a Super NES that doesn't use emulation. The Super NT bridges the gap between the convenience of the Super NES Classic and the authenticity of playing on original hardware. Unlike the Classic or RetroPie solutions, the Super NT uses a field programmable gate array, whatever that means, Lost me. to reproduce the hardware on, of the SNES rather than use the software to emulate it. I don't know what all that stuff means, but it's $189 for a Super Nintendo that is HDMI compatible, so it will have a beautiful screen. But, however, it is difficult. It's not difficult, but you can find them pretty easily, but you will have to get Super NES cards for it. And depending Ooh, on yeah. what game you want, if you want a hot game, it's going to be pretty expensive, $20, $30. Okay. If you want a what, – what's your one favorite game, Rocket Man? I'm sure you can get that for 3 bucks. What the hell is oh. Rocket Man? What's the game that you love on Super Nintendo that you've always – not Rocket Man, but the – Ultraman. The, Ultraman. <laughs> yes. So bad. So good. We will so bad. do an Ultraman. Also features yeah. heavily in Ready Player One yes. if you would just read really? the damn book. Okay. You know what? I actually got a text – from one of my friends today, and or not today, oh, and but he convinced you to read it. Two days ago, from one of my friends, one of our listeners, and he's like, "Junk, just read the damn book. Read the damn." He's book. like, "Read the damn book." It's like so every single pertinent. episode, Tony has been yelling at you, and he's absolutely correct. I don't want to give you a big head. I will. That please. conversation happened. I was like, "I know, I know." He's like, "Stop it, stop it." That's you, what you've been saying, Tony. Exactly. He doesn't buy it anymore. Don't longer. treat other people the way you treat me. Yes, it's not yes. right. Read the book. Uh, if you want an 189 SNES, man, I mean, they just classic retro gaming is coming back in a big way. There's a there's an SNES that you can buy that's like five thousand dollars. Nope. Nope. Not gonna do it. Nope. I I, I don't understand the. I mean, what have there'll be, there'll iconic be collect- uh, rebel symbols. There'll on be it? collectors that want to buy this for two hundred dollars, but at the end of the day, it's so much easier to just go get a used Super Nintendo and plug it in that way. Um, True. You don't really need the HTMI, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, 
Ooh, this stinks. Uh, it doesn't stink, but you're Marvel versus Capcom. I'll be the judge Infinite. of that. Yeah, you be the judge of that. Marvel versus Capcom Infinite is getting 18 premiere costumes this week. That stinks. Players can purchase these costumes individually for $3.99 each or in three different $11.99 packs that come with six costumes apiece. Terrible. You can also purchase the game's premium costume pass for $29.99, which comes with all 18 costumes along with all the premium costumes for any remaining characters that will be released this year. That's 30 bucks for costumes for a fighting game, for a game that doesn't have much content to begin with. Let alone, it's a $60 game to begin with, and now they're charging 30 bucks for costumes. This isn't new characters. Mm. This is just 30 bucks for 18 new costumes so Chun-Li can have a sexier outfit. Well, uh, yeah, I'm I mean, on board with okay, that Okay, well, all right, where's my But, like, card? the big muscle guy gets a different thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not interested I don't need in that. that. Chun-Li? Chun-Li wants to, yeah. Or Jubblies? Jubblies? She wants to wear a bikini. Cash or check? All right, to get, yeah. <laughs> you imagine send a cash, send a check. Care of Capcom. <laughs> Offer ends uh, 19, September 1994. Well, we better move fast. Let's go. <laughs> Hurry. <clears throat> Nintendo may be encouraging producers of more mature and violent games to bring their content over to the Switch. According to a report by the Wall Street Journal, Nintendo appears to be interested in increasing the number of mature titles on its newest console to remove the stigma that its hardware is just for family-friendly content. Good on Nintendo! Yeah. Oh, my God. Who, would, who would want that up? opinion out there that your your stuff is only family friendly no well, I mean, let's get down in the dirt and roll around baby when mortal Kombat released in 92 there was blood on genesis no blood on super nintendo yeah. so nobody bought the super nintendo version bring the blood and then the next year they were like okay you're we're gonna have a lot of blood in the next version but it it's yeah it's great that the way that they're kind of changing this stigma because yeah. don't have that stigma of being family friendly Ugh. no i mean get, keep out, it. get out there they don't need to keep on i mean they don't need to change their online space you know i mean if yeah. that's if that's the way that they want to do things but bring us bring us the the gory bring games the we're okay with it we're grown-ups all right well some of us are we're grown-ups yeah Kind of. Uh, Cuphead reached a major sales milestone in just two weeks. Developer studio MDHR announced this week that its colorful boss-focused action game has gone platinum, Woo. selling one million copies since it was released on September 29th. The studio made sure to thank its fans for Cuphead's success. Good on those two dudes. We played it. We played it. And we, we loved it. it. What uh, did we they, score that They had boy. that concept since 2000. They wanted to make it back then. They did not have the means to make it back then. They had been working hard on that game for a long time, and they released it, and it's fantastic. What did we score that? A nine? Was that a nine? Uh, yeah, I think did an I catch 8. a nine in there. All right, I think an eight point five. Well, check fantastic the afternoonyap.com and find out for yourself. Yeah. Works. Um, uh, the Electronic Software Rating Board, or the ESRB, has waded into the recent conversation surrounding loot boxes, saying the mechanic does not fulfill its criteria for using gambling as a game descriptor. Mm-hmm. I I don't. Okay, thanks. I don't. I don't. I was never concerned that it was gambling. I mean, if you if you care about your head on a leaderboard, you, you don't get money for that unless you actually go compete against these other people. So I don't know. I don't know. What but the, the, ESP, about. the SRB wanted to go ahead and step in and say microtransactions are fine. Thanks, Activision. Thanks for that big check. Not Activision. gambling. Yeah, not gambling. Gotcha. Uh, the Nintendo Switch's latest 4.0.0 update came with a surprise functionality not listed in Nintendo's official notes. The ability to use wireless headphones. I can now use my wireless headphones that I have for my PlayStation. 
Hooray. I can plug it right into my Nintendo Switch. That's Hooray. awesome news. Okay. They're getting behind it. Um, and I think this is last but not least, last story of the night. Okay. It's a doozy. Hit me. New evidence points to Russian interference in Pokemon Go. Oh, I thought for God, I thought you were going to say the election. I was like, no, we're, we're getting political. wildly changing the format of Man. the show. <laughs> in world news. <laughs> yeah, in world news. Uh, new evidence points to Russian interference in Pokemon Go, among other popular online services. They're interfering with everything. Pokemon Go? Leave Every, those kids nothing alone. sacred. Is nothing sacred to these Russians? It's nothing sacred. Those poor... <laughs> Those poor kids. Poor Pokemon. A report from CNN claims Russian political meddling. Fake news. Used YouTube, Tumblr, and Pokemon Go to sow discord among Americans. Donald Trump says fake news. Fake news. Uh, you want to take a quick break for our sponsors? Oh, uh, We better. All right. We'll be right back. Tony, I don't know about you, bud, but right. every morning when I wake up, I think to myself, oh, man, I didn't shave yesterday, mm-hmm. and I'm late for work. Mm. What am I going to do? Am I going to either be late for work? Shave. I can't shave in the car. Don't have time. I don't have time. Don't have an electric razor. I don't have an electric razor. Don't and look plus, good I with the stubble. Out, I can't use an electric razor. I have very, very sensitive skin. You're like a baby. Look at you. Yes. Uh, baby features is what people say. That's and what they call you. Old baby features over there. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. And the good people at More Implications, they know this. They know that there's tons of dudes out there that wake up in the morning. And they go, oh, crap. Like, I have to shave and mm-hmm. I don't have time. Mm-hmm. So what happens? You go to work. And people are like, you're you're talking to you know your boss. You just look so unprofessional. What happens if you get mustard on your shirt too? Boom. Ugh. That's two things at once. You look like a jerk. Right. So the good people at Morplications, they came up with a product. It's called the Stubborn Stubbler. Stubborn, Stubborn Stubbler. Stubbler, it does it all. Do you want to know how it works? I kind of. Well, I want to know what it is, and then I want to know how it works. It's a product that causes everyone to grow a five o'clock shadow. Everyone that else. That way, everybody else besides you. Interesting. Because you already have the five o'clock shadow. Right. So you that don't, way you, you, you don't have, have to shave shadow. every day. It comes in a little handy dandy pill. Okay. All you have to do is go find the water supply at your work, mm-hmm. drop it in right right as work starts. <laughs> Sounds easy. Just watch, find the water watch supply. The magic happen. Uh-huh. So what's going to happen is is you're going to be in a sales meeting. Right. And you're going to be presenting, and you're going to be like, um, so if you take a look at the graph. Um, our sales. Are... I can't look at the graph. I'm looking at your five o'clock shadow, jerk. Yeah, exactly. If you look at, take a look at the graph, you'll see that sales are down, and that's when my boss chips in and he goes, Ferguson, what the hell's going on? You Wait. look like the Wolfman. Are you, are, you like, Fer- are you Ferguson? I'm Ferguson. Okay. Ferguson, what the hell is going on? You look like the Wolfman, and I was like, Yeah, I know. I don't understand, but everybody else, I mean, you Does look like too. The, you look like the Wolfman too, and he goes, What? Go on, Ferguson. Continue. Because he also has a five o'clock. Why shadow. does everybody look like the Wolfman? Because I poisoned the water supply. I the water supply. The stubborn stubbler is gonna give everybody, and everybody a beard. Laughs. It's gonna give. It's gonna give ladies the beard. Yeah. It's gonna give men the beard. It's gonna give babies the beard. It's a great idea because no, you don't have nobody knows who spiked the water supply. Yeah. All we know is and that everybody like has this, five o'clock. It's gonna shadow. be like this fun thing too, where right. people like look in the mirror and they was go, it you? What, what the, the hell? hell? I look like the absolute Wolfman. Yeah. And and you walk by and you go Johnson. Why do you look like the Wolfman? He goes, I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, what a product! It's nine ninety nine per dose it sounds fun it's a hundred dollars per 10 doses mm-hmm. and if you just wake up 
and you go, oh no, I look like the Wolfman. Don't shave. Don't shave. Spike the water supply. Spike the water supply. And they'll be like, Johnson, you made me look like the Wolfman. And like everybody will be laughing their face off. And then you just coasted out of a day of not having to shave. It's called the Stubborn Stubbler. Uh, It's $9.99 per dose. You can buy it on our website right now. Buy one right now. Save your career. Wolfman. Hello and welcome back to the Afternoon Yap. It is time for round two. Round two. Tony Baloney, you want to take this? Yes, I do. Uh, here we go. Quick recap uh, for our first two battles. We have I'm excited. Michael Myers, who defeated the Killer Tomatoes. I'm excited. And we've got the alien xenomorph who took on and defeated the Predator. So facing off, again, we got Michael Myers versus the classic human phenotype of the alien xenomorph. This is to a fight? Well, no, it's to a uh, spelling bee. <laughs> Who's going to win? It's the alien, man. Well, yeah, because Michael Myers doesn't talk, so the alien wins the spelling bee. Does he also win the, the battle? Okay, talk. all right, I wasn't sure. All right, so the alien wins that battle. I, that spelling bee would be fun, too, though. Um, Next up, we got Pinhead who uh, took on and defeated the other uh, perverted magic guy in the Leprechaun, facing off against Freddy Krueger, who emerged victorious in his last battle against Chucky. So again, we got Pinhead facing off against Freddy Krueger. This is another tough one to call. Yeah, and we and we can't do favorites with this because no, I absolutely love Freddy Krueger, no, but no, let's no. think about it's it. It's not based on favoritism. It's not based on sales. It's based on Freddy's in one corner, Pinhead perverts in the other corner. But they're both, like, otherworldly, you know? They, they sure are, buddy. Um, it, Freddy can only get you in your dreams, though, and he's very vo- – it's, it's, it would be Pinhead. You got Pinhead. I love Freddy Krueger, but Pinhead would beat Freddy Krueger. All right. Pinhead it is. Let me just mark it down. Pinhead. Right. Not to be confused with Cuphead. Next up, we got Jason Voorhees, who defeated Normie Norman Bates in, a, in a, just a – Knockdown, drag out, walloping. And we got the lawnmower man uh, who defeated Leatherface in another just complete curb stomp. So we got Jason facing off against the lawnmower man. Do not play favorites here, buddy. But I, but the from what I remember from the lawnmower man was you had to be hooked up into the 3D setup. No, and then he jumps out right at one and then time. He starts he had killing to be. people. Yeah, one time he doesn't had to be he hooked kill up. somebody with a blow dryer? Is that the same movie? Am I thinking of the right film? Might. No, I think I'm thinking of another movie that is similar to that. That it, uh, what's I that? I think he might. What's that? The shocker. It's the, sh- the the guy who can control electricity. I think you're thinking. No, of. no, no. I do. Do you remember the Simpson or South Park episode? Making movies, making songs, and fighting around the world. Who is the guy from the Gladiator? Uh, who is that actor? Oh God! Come on. Pause game. Russell Crowe. Russell I'm almost Crow. positive. That he was in an early 96 horror movie where he, like, goes through circuits? Yeah, I think we're thinking of the same movie. There, there's one where a, a killer gets electrocuted, like, in an electric chair. We might he's, be mixing up, like, killed. ten different horror movies here. But the one that I'm thinking about is he gets into a a hand dryer, and the guy turns the hand dryer up and burns his face off. But I don't know if that's the, <laughs> Russell, I don't know if that's the Russell Crowe movie or not. 
And it, I'm almost it's positive. Al- it's it- almost irrelevant to this conversation because in this conversation, <laughs> we're talking about Jason Voorhees versus, versus Lawnmower Man versus Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Uh, dude, uh, Jason. Really? I think Lawnmower so. Man, as you will recall, can d- dis- disintegrate people at a molecular level, but you're going with the guy who has a machete. Lawnmower man. Yes. Sorry. I think that's Sorry right for call. letting you sway me, but definitely lawnmower man. No, I, that's man. kind of my role. I'm trying to sway you a little bit because I just love lawnmower man. It's the best name. All right, last one for round two. We've got uh, killer clowns from outer space in a surprising victory over uh, probably the more popular Pennywise, facing off against the pimp uh, with the limp and a <laughs> hook for a hand yeah. in the Candy Man, uh, who took down the creeper. So again, that's the killer clowns from outer space. Gang of Interstellar Clowns versus the Candyman. Who is taking this one? Chunk. Candyman. Candyman. Totally. The Candyman can. All right. So uh, next up in the next round, which we will hit in a minute, we're gonna have the Alien facing off against Pinhead and Lawnmower Man versus Candyman. Who would have thought that would have been the uh, last four to to show up? Tony, for our second segment, I want to talk about what is quite possibly my favorite game of all time. When I fired that game up on Red the Rover, X- Red Rover, let Dunker no. come over. Is that what you're talking about? No. Oh. Uh, when I fired up that Xbox 360 and I gave you the controller, yeah. did did you assume that I was handing you probably my favorite game of all time? Well, you, you did it without much fanfare. You said, I'm leaving. Here, Here you go. play this. I have to take play my wife this, to work. Do a little bit of homework. Yeah, there was nothing t- for me to, to know. Castlevania Symphony of the Night uh, was released 20 years ago in October of 1997. Uh, it is a platform action-adventure role-playing game developed and published by Konami for the PlayStation. It was directed and produced by Tora Hagihara. Uh, The game, when it initially came out 20 years ago, there was not much... uh, There was not much fanfare. There was not much um, advertising for it in the Ah. States. It did well in Japan, but it initially failed when it was launched in the States because... People, this was 1997. People wanted to see 3D graphics. They did not want to see a return to 2D games. And that's exactly what this was. That's exactly what, what? this was. <laughs> um, it be, it eventually became a hit through word of mouth mm. and um, and slowly became a sleeper hit. And then it Much was later. Much like re- vampires themselves. Yes. And then it was later released as a Kinda. greatest hits on the PlayStation 1 console. It is widely considered to be one things. of the best games ever made. That's a bold statement, <laughs> my friend. Widely considered I mean, by me, by baby. You, by, by one person in this basement, it is widely considered to be one of the best games ever made. The plot of Castlevania the Night. So Castlevania Symphony of the Night begins during the ending of the previous game in the series, Castlevania Rondo of Blood, where Richter Belmont confronts and defeats Count Dracula four years later. In 1796, Alucard arrives at the castle. Inside, he meets Dracula's servant, Death, who warns him to stop his quest to destroy the castle and strips him of his equipment. He also meets Maria Renard, a 17-year-old vampire hunter who fought alongside Richter and is now searching for him. Alucard also meets Richter. Richter? Is Richter a human? 
Yes. Okay. Richter Belmont is a human. Yes. Yeah, of course. Who, He's cl- a Belmont. who claims to be the new lord of the castle. So this game, when they were originally developing for it, um, it was originally being developed as a Sega 32X game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original title was, uh, the, the working title of this game was actually The Bloodletting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game had a playable version, but Konami decided to move away from that console because it was dying and put its focus on the PlayStation. Uh, from the outset, the game was developed to be uh, a represent a new direction for the franchise. It was actually d- d- to be developed as a spin-off, which gave the developers the freedom to pretty much do whatever they want to from ca- uh, from Capcom. Um, it began development as something of a side story for the series. Uh, we were able to break a lot of Castlevania conventions and introduce a lot of new elements that we still use today. Uh, the development team abandoned the stage-by-stage progression of the previous Castlevania games in favor of an open castle that the player could uh, freely explore. They actually took this idea from the Legend of uh, Zelda series. Uh, Tony Baloney. Yeah. You're you're a big fan of the early Castlevanias, am I, I correct? I wouldn't say that. I ha- I have memories of playing it in my neighbor's basement, Jonathan. Hey, what's up, bud? And being terrified. Like I have I have vivid memories of playing it, being creeped out by the music because we were playing it in the dark. The game, the and music. then turning it off, and then having to walk up mm-hmm. the basement stairs in the dark, and being you know convinced like every kid is. That as soon as I look at that door, something's going to grab me. The original Castlevania came out in 1986, so it is actually celebrating... uh, No, 1987, so it is actually celebrating its 30th year uh, celebration, while this Symphony of the Night is celebrating its 20th year celebration. And Symphony of the Night, there's there's two different types of Castlevania. There's all of the games that led up to Symphony of the Night, and then there's all of the games that were after Symphony of the Night, because Mm -hmm. that is the impact that this game had on the series. Um, the gameplay is that the player would eventually, uh, could gradually obtain items and vampiric items. It's, it's Metroidvania. So the castle starts off very, very small, Mm -hmm. but it rewards exploration as you play the game. Mm -hmm. And as you get farther and farther, you find items that will help you get to other areas. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that the developers wanted to do this time was they just, they wanted to stop punishing the player so much. So they wanted to make the game. Well, that's nice of them. They wanted to make the game more accessible, which is great because those are those first three Castlevania games. The graphics are there, the sound are there, but the challenge is really daunting and they're very, very hard games. I, I love Castlevania one. I love Castlevania three. I probably can't get past the fourth or fifth level after really, really trying. You skipped right over Castlevania 2. Castlevania 2 is very divisive. Have you ever played Castlevania 2 before? I don't know. Castlevania 2 very much fell into that pitfall of sequel-itis that happened in the late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Where Nintendo games, they would make us, they would make a, uh, they would have a hit. Uh, on their hands with the first game, like Mario 1, mm. and then they would drastically change it up for Mario 2. Bastards. They'd have a hit on their hands for Legend of Zelda 1, mm-hmm. and then they drastically change mm. it up for Legend of Zelda 2. And Bastards. that is exactly what happened with Castlevania 2, where... Hit they, it on their hand they with play- Castlevania 1. Yeah. <laughs> and then for Castlevania 2, they changed it up. Yeah, for Castlevania 2, they introduced towns. Bastards. They introduced um, uh, like RPG elements, uh, a day-night cycle. Mm. It was very, very, very confusing. It still has that... The, the great graphics, it still has the great soundtrack, but it was ultimately the, not the best out of the original three NES games. All right, back to Symphony of the Night. So, Symphony of the Night. 
heavily influenced by RPG systems. Yeah. Um, as you're going through the game, you you get experience points as you're killing enemies mm-hmm. and you, you get money. level up as yeah. you're, if you're killing enemies, when you level up, you get more hit points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you became more powerful so you can attack stronger enemies so you can get deeper into the castle. Um, uh, there's magic points that you can get when you're playing the game. Uh, Special the magic, items uh, and relics. Yeah, as the magic points are going up, that determines how often a spell can be cast. You you also have four other attributes uh, that you can attach points to. You have strength, mm-hmm. which is your attack power. Right. Defense, which is your resilience to enemies' attacks. Of course. Intelligence, which is your recovery speed of magic points. Okay. And luck, which is your frequency items airdrop by enemies. So you actually you don't put points into these skills. They just level up as you are playing the game. But still, it is this heavy system. But you RPG can equip system. items that impact them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you just you think about how s- simplistic the original Castlevania games are. And these games are so... Or Symphony of the Night is just so deep and it's so big. And that's because the developer... They took a step back and they said, we want to make a game that has a, a good story, but it also takes a long time to play. So an experienced player probably can play through Symphony of the Night in anywhere between 25 to 30 hours. Jesus. So it's a pretty epic adventure. It is you know, it is not under an hour like the NES versions are. It's not under an hour and a half like the Super Nintendo version and the Genesis version are. It is a long campaign. Uh, Alucard can uh, cast spells. These How are- familiar are you? familiar are you with the lore? Of these games, uh, pretty much they jump all over the place. Here's my thing: it's Konami. Go ahead. I, I see, I see the intro screen, and I'm reading about this dude named Alucard. Yep, Dracula's son. Okay, yeah, because it's, I was like, that's it's Dracula that's, backwards. Yeah, it's Dracula backwards. Yeah. So I he kinda... is a, a a napier or something like that. Uh, a, a dampier, a dampier, like Blade. Yes, so he is half human, half vampire. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's Done. it. That's all. I, that's all I wanted to know because I was the, like, the "Well, story, that's a really stupid." The story name. goes that he he originally served his father, who was Dracula, and then he realized that his Drac that his father was wrong, yeah. and that he he's coming back to actually take him down. Mm. So it's just like the cartoon was. So Dracula fell in love with a woman. Uh, the the townspeople thought that she was a witch. They burned, burned her, at her the alive, stake, and so Dracula. Hates humans. Okay. Uh, in this story, um, the Castlevania, uh, Castlevania, or what's the what's the Castle, Castle Dracula? Dracula yeah. is supposed to only appear every hundred years. Right at the end of Rondo of Blood, uh, Alec or Victor Richter destroys Dracula, and five years later, Castle or the the castle shows back up. Mm-hmm. Richter disappears. Alucard says, I need to go see into that castle, see what's going on, see if my dad's in there. Mm-hmm. And he takes his ass in. Are Alucard and Richter friends? Um, no. Not no? so much. Okay. Um, I believe that they know of each other. They fight they they talk to each other throughout they fight, the game. Are they are they so they, they fight alongside each other. Their interests are aligned. They both Their don't like Dracula. Their interests are aligned as they want to take out Dracula. Okay. But the the story starts out as Castle Dracula has appeared and Richter, Richter is Richter has disappeared but he when you show up at the castle it turns out that Richter is now claiming to be the new like Dracula the new Dracula the new guardian the new captain of this castle hmm. so you event like the first so it was all a real estate play yeah so the first the first you know beginning of the game is you finding out what Richter is up to 
why he is in control of Castle Dracula. He's flipping houses. And what the hell is going on. Uh, Alucard can shapeshift. Uh, this gets him into different uh, areas of the castle. He can turn into a wolf that makes you run really fast because there are tons and tons and tons of levels where you can just run really, really fast to get from point A to point B. He can turn into a bat, so that way that when you need to like go up very, very far, you can fly as a bat. Or there's actually mist, too, that you can turn into, and that gets you into greats. So this is all this kind of Metroidvania um, trappings where – Areas that were locked off, you can now get to because now mm-hmm. you are a wolf, now mm-hmm. you are a bat, now mm-hmm. you are missed. But mm-hmm. are you noticing a theme here? The developers heavily, heavily borrowed from the Dracula books. What Dracula books? Just in general? Yes, in general. Just like, like they borrowed from Dracula lore. Yes, from Dracula okay. lore. Well, he's, but, and, he's and, Dracula's son, so it makes perfect sense. they heavily borrowed from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh-huh. Uh, the character Maria is dressed a lot like uh, the girl from Beetlejuice. Uh, okay. The, the, Winona Ryder? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, one of her outfits okay. is, is based on that. Uh, right. The, the Dark Priest Shaft is covered in yeah. red robes. Damn right. Who looks exactly like the red wait, robes. Wait, wait, wait what's wait, going on? What's wait. going on? So you're telling me there's a dark priest named, named Shaft. Shaft? Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, uh, so Alucard can – there's a lot to these systems. Alucard has familiars. Um, oh, that's funny. And you can you can go into the menu screen and you can check to like as you acquire these familiars, they assist you, and they do little things like attack enemies alongside of you, okay. or they they can go uh, hunt out secrets or collect items. But oh, you can get okay. a fairy, you can get a demon, you can get a ghost, you can get a bat, and you can also get a sword familiar. Uh, so this game totally revamped the Castlevania series. Revamped? Where, yes. Nice. Yes, nice. Instead of whips this time, you have all kinds of different swords. You have like nunchucks. You have big axes. You have single-handed weapons. You have double-handed weapons. Yeah. You can pick up uh, shields, mm-hmm. which I don't think I never really use shields. I'm not sure. If I people, used one. Did, they did they you block like it. I think they only block projectile weapons because okay. I, I experimented with like a skeleton swinging a sword at me. Doesn't work. That but makes if, more sense. If they're sense. throwing something at you. Block. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. There's expendable weapons like bombs and javelins that are one-time use weapons. So as you're traversing through this castle, you you wind up finding the castle librarian. Hmm. And he's also a shopkeeper. And you can buy different types of items from him, such as like potions and other items that are going to help you on your quest. Hmm. Uh, it, he also has a bestiary. So every single monster wow. you run into, like you're going to see their, their hit points. You're going to see what they look like. There is... So many different sprites for so many different monsters in this game, and they just all look fantastic. All right. There is a huge, huge open map. Um, that Not is, really open. But you can pretty much go anywhere you want to from the offset. I mean, I was watching you play it, and mm-hmm. I watched you open up the map, and I the first thing I said was, you had to look at all the areas you haven't been to yet. Yeah. So they just they don't want to punish you for – for not knowing what to do, they want you to go. Well, they don't up really there. show you mo- wh- areas don't. where you haven't been, but but once you're there, then they show up on the map. So yeah, it's kind of like fog you, of and, war. And it's this excellent map system where you enter where you enter a room, and it actually shows you a big box, and um, right. it, it the boxes fill in as you explore. Uh, get, as you explore, and that would later become a staple for a lot of these Metroid uh, Metroidvania games moving forward. It's just exactly like Sundered, which is a game that I love that came out uh, about two months ago or so. Yeah. The presentation, it's graphics. They look great. 
2D graphics. Alucard uh, looks awesome. I, I love when he's moving. You got the like the, the shadow kind of thing that follows behind him. I guess I guess that they um, hired this woman that had a ton of experience in a certain Japanese anime, mm. or is that redundant? Uh, a Japanese cartoon or an anime, and she had little video game experience, but they loved the work that she did. And they they were just they had so much freedom to do whatever they wanted to in this game because they were considering this game as a spinoff. So they wanted a they wanted to have this new look for these characters, which it results in Alucard kind of looking almost like a Final Fantasy character. Yeah. He's got long flowing hair. They're all they're all gorgeous looking anime looking bows. Yeah. For the most part. But it has gorgeous 2D visuals. And then there's also a, they they put in some 3D effects. I don't know if you noticed that, but did you notice how the clouds looked a little bit different? They looked a little bit fuller in 3D. There's there's all kinds of other different 3D uh, sections in the game, but it is mostly a 2D I didn't think the enemies looked very good. Can I say that? Are you are you kidding me? I'm going to say that. I think Alucard looks great. Yeah. I thought uh, Dracula and that sort of prologue fight looks great. Yeah. But the generic enemies that you face look kind of humdrum to me. I mean, me. you are at the very beginning of a 30-hour adventure, so you will, you will eventually face all kinds of different enemies. Okay. And the bosses, some of them are screen-filling. Some of them are absolutely huge and ghastly. There, I mean, there is one that is like... I don't know, six or seven screens, and it is this big ball monster that is basically like these, a bunch of bodies that are climbing on top of each other, and you have to take out little pieces of them. Yum. And there's a core in the middle. There is just some really, really cool okay. monster design sprites in that game. Withdrawn. I'm just saying, you were at the very beginning of the game, okay, so and you I'm were probably I'm withdrawn. Seeing, you were probably seeing wolves. You were probably I was seeing wolves. Seeing, I was seeing uh, little zombies, skeletons. Skeletons that are I throwing I wailed bones. on some zombies. Yeah. Just wailed the, on the them. The enemies just continuously get darker, and the, the, the amount of variety in the stages just keeps on continuing. Okay. There is one of my favorite soundtracks to any video game of all time is this game. It is a mix of rock, techno, classical, and jazz. What did you think about some of those songs? How about when you fired up the game and we were just – uh, trying to pick your save point, and it was that like luscious uh, choir singing. Mm. Oh, I thought that was just. That's weird. I feel like that <laughs> happens most of the time when I enter a room. So yeah. I thought that was just like the regular yeah. thing for the soundtrack. Me. Is I don't know. There's like twelve or fifteen songs. Some of there's a bunch of like hot rock and roll songs. There some is hot licks. Oh, there's some some great classical music in it. Um, one of my favorite video game songs of all time is in there. It's called Bloody Tears, which you can actually find a cover song by the band. It's a black metal band, and I always forget what they're called. Dark Priest. That's not the name Dark of it. Dark Priest Shaft? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not the <laughs> No, because that would be a great name it. for a band. So there's actually – so we, we, we said at the beginning of the game that you show up at Castle Dracula. You sure and do. And Richter is apparently controlling the castle – you can actually fight Richter as the end-level boss, mm -hmm. and the game ends, and you go, well, that's not that satisfying. I was only playing for about 10 or 12 hours. There's got to be more to this story. It turns out that if you play the game a little closer, you can find an item that is called Holy Glasses. And when you put them on and you face Richter, mm -hmm. um, you see that he is being controlled, mind-controlled by the Dark Priest. Shaft. Shaft. You're damn right. And so if right. you attack the boss that is controlling Richter, 
You're damn now, right. Now Shaft has been... You're damn right. Richter has been freed, and the, and the second part of the game happens, and the castle actually flips. And it is a perfect way to make a game that is already really lengthy, double the length, and they add... When the castle flips, it is the exact same castle, but it's completely upside down, but you can still traverse it the same way that you would before, hmm. just a little bit differently. And that is uh, something that... When I was playing this game in high school, one of my good friends, we were playing this game, and he said, man, I beat the game, but it wasn't all that exciting. And I was like, well, did you flip the castle? And he goes, I don't know what you're talking about. And this is back in 1997 where like game facts were like starting to show up on the internet, but the internet was still kind of in its infancy. Yeah. And But the, you wouldn't know. You would beat a game like that, and you'd put the controller down, and you'd go, well, that kind of stinks. And there's a whole other game to it. So what happens other... after you flip the castle? Who's the bad guy at the end? Dracula. Oh. So, ah. um, so you fight your way through the inverted castle. The inverted – you can go back and forth. From the regular castle to the inverted castle, there are still Metroidvania elements in it where you might get an, an item in the inverted castle that you can use in the regular castle. But for the most part, you fight your way through the inverted castle and you make your way to Dracula, who wow. is just this incredible, huge... The first time you fight him, he looks like Dracula, and then he takes this huge, awesome form. Um, there are some secrets to the game. Uh, you can, If you enter Richter... Uh, as the username, the player can choose to play as Richter, and you can use the whip as his main weapon. But cool. first and foremost, most importantly, yeah, it held, it it holds up so well because it uses these 2D graphics. If you go back and play old PlayStation One games, man, they do not hold up because they just it's that primitive 3D technology. But if you go back and play this game, it still looks absolutely great because it is a 2D action platformer that they just nailed everything under the sun they nailed the presentation they nailed the awesome soundtrack they nailed the deep rpg elements the gameplay and i i just i'll never forget that summer i i this this game came out um and i it i ended up finding it at a game store used that was going out of business i bought it for 20 bucks and i played that game nonstop all summer synonymous with I think I was listening to Misfits that summer. I think I was listening. Poor bastard. What? You poor, poor bastard. Oh, yeah, this was. I mean, I was also. I spent some all summer playing Castlevania, smoking cigarettes, (laughs) getting tons of girls, occasionally drinking, but Uh on the off time, on the time when I had a little bit of time by myself, I'd sit Castlevania, play Castlevania, listen to Misfits, listen to The Descendants, and just I. I'll never forget that summer, man. Like I said, oh this God. is one of the best games of all time. And if you've, if you're a fan of Castlevania, if you're a fan of that kind of vampire lore, if you're kind of a fan of that, like those, just there's not, there's something to be said about those little cute little monsters that scared you when you were a kid when you saw them, right? When I, yeah, they, yes, they do. Yes. I mean, this take, one wouldn't scare me because I'm a grown up. But take everything that you loved about the original NES trilogy. Yeah. Give it a huge makeover. Okay. Give it all of these RPG elements. Mm-hmm. Take that incredible soundtrack. Get, from throw, the in, first throw in three. a dark priest or two. Yeah, change them. You know, make it a rock and roll soundtrack. Take those iconic hits, mm-hmm. and it's just this huge package. And I, that's what Shaft said. I absolutely love that game. I give. Castlevania Symphony of the Night a 10. Whoa! I still we should play, have an air horn when that I happens. I still play that. So it's about a 30-hour adventure. I still play that game every about four or five years. So I've probably played it through about four times. 
Um, and it's one of those games where it's that carrot on a string, man. Like I start playing it and I was like, oh, I forgot how much I like this. And then you get to another area and the area completely changes and the, and the soundtrack changes and you keep on getting new items. You keep on getting new weapons and you keep on fighting these huge iconic bosses. You keep on, there's you just there, keep on keeping on. Well, there's all these little cute little Easter eggs throughout the movie too. There's a, there's a part of the game, Video game. there's a part of the game where you sit down and you are, you, you have a confession and it's just for no other part. It's like a confession booth where you sit in a chair and another person sits in a chair and I think like a ghost woman attacks you from behind and it, there, it serves no other purpose, but just it's cool and it's really interesting and it kind of breaks up the story. But um, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. Um, it's still relatively you did it, Konami. easy to find on PlayStation. You might have to pay 20 or 30 bucks, um, but oh, you can get I think you can still get it on Xbox Live for 10 or 20 bucks. That is the ultimate way to not the ultimate way, but a very good way to play it because you can actually play it in 16 by nine. You can stretch the screen and you can play on a really nice Xbox controller. Um, it's my favorite game for Halloween. I think it's my favorite game of all time until next week. When I say that I have a different favorite game, right? But it is just, so stay tuned for that. It is the ultimate Castlevania. It is the ultimate Metroidvania game. You, you, you already gave it a 10 out of 10. We get it. Tony baloney. Yeah. That's it for Castlevania Whew. Symphony of the Night. Do 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 Why are you looking at me like that? I'm talking about Shaft. You damn. What is a man? Nothing but a miserable pile of secrets. But enough talk. How about you? How do you like that that awesome awesome dialogue I like the one, one part where it's Dracula like, and Richter there was one what was the one part where they're talking about religion and he's like you steal men's souls and he's like bed <laughs> Dracula's like that's what all religions do oh the edge is oh, so sharp so great they initially wanted to had a they wanted to add a ton of backstory a ton of lore to the game but the the developers thought no it would kind of it would kind of interrupt the action, and they they so they. I actually a lot of that really from, liked that the intro parts oh, myself. The voice acting awesome. was actually kind of fun with the anime characters yeah. and the kind of not so cheesy, but just oh, so, I mean, so <laughs> so like cheesy. Bunch of edge lords. Nineteen ninety seven, but it's the twenty year anniversary of this game. Came out in October of nineteen ninety seven. Go play this game, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Perfect ten. We'll be right back. Tony, did you know that Columbus, Ohio is like number three in worst drivers in the country? I had not heard that. It's outrageous. The people on the highways. I mean, they just they they zig and they zag and they and they and they ride your tail and do they signal? They signal. No, no, no. They don't signal. But some of the times they do (laughs) Do, signal. But they're like the wrong way. And that's even the most infuriating thing to me. (laughs) How mad do you get when you're going straight and the jerk in front of you goes, I need to turn. But there's like 100 million cars coming the opposite way. Mm -hmm. So there you are stuck behind this dummy because he needs to turn into the McDonald's parking lot. And you're like, great. I guess I'll just sit here for five minutes and wait for all these cars to come by. Sounds like a real jerk. Sounds like a real jerk. And the good people at Moral Applications 
have invented something for this. It's called jerk insurance. Okay. So what jerk insurance does is is it you can pay a regular fee for your car insurance. Okay. But on top of that, you'll pay an extra nine ninety nine a month for jerk insurance. So like a jerk insurance rider on top of your policy. Yes. Okay. So that means if you get into a, an accident or a purposeful accident to okay. a guy that's in front of you that is an a hole, boom, you're covered. Oh. So, so like in that situation, you could just run his car off the road because he's being a jerk. Well, you'll you'll get your coverage will get dropped if you actually kill people with the jerk insurance. Yeah. Now, what the jerk insurance is meant to it's do? Not it's a meant to do two to things. Number one, you can take out jerks because they're all over the road. Mm-hmm. If you're just like you're not on your way to work or something, maybe it's a Sunday and this guy is driving like a total idiot. Boom! You just T-bone the guy. Mm-hmm. You're good. You already paid your dues. Pick up the phone. Pick up the call phone. Call moral implications. The, the, the adjusters are going to come out and they're going to favor in your side. They're going to say it was your fault, but this guy's going to have to buy a new car. And he goes, what? This is absolutely ridiculous. But the follow-up thing that you can do with jerk insurance is some of the times I'll just be driving around in my car and I'll be a jerk. Mm-hmm. And I'll think – I one time I said to my wife – wouldn't it be just so great if I crashed into that car and she looks and she's like, oh, you mean that guy that just cut off somebody? And I was like, no, just that guy that's minding his own business. And my wife's like, what is the matter with you? Mm-hmm. And I was like, some of the times I just – I make the money. Why can't I enjoy spending it? Run into that mm. car, ruin his day. I'm, all my so dues are paid. The I'm the jerk. And we both mm. get a real good fun laugh at it. Well, I think that would only work if he's got jerk insurance. He's not going to have jerk insurance. <laughs> well, then he's screwed, I guess. He is screwed. He's not going to deal with the, the adjusters at the good people at more applications. He's going to deal with nationwide. Not and trust on your me, side. those people are not on your side. Mm. They're going to say, well, your car is totaled, and I know you bought it last year, but here's $800. Ugh. But with jerk insurance, baby, you would do whatever you want to. Guy in front of you with a bumper sticker that says, I don't know, something racist or stupid. Boom, hit that guy. Anti-schnauzer. Anti-schnauzer. How could you have an anti-vaxxing schnauzer group? Doesn't Mm. that seem ridiculous? Have you ever seen those bumper stickers? I won't vax my schnauzer. I haven't, but if I did, T-bone. I mean, how far down the rabbit hole do you got to go? I get it if you don't want to vax your kids. Hey, they put all kinds of stuff in that that gives you autism. But schnauzers... You gotta vax those schnauzers. Talk about going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> the good people at more applications, jerk insurance. That's jerks for me, like you and me. T- guys like you that have trash juice for a soul. And <laughs> what are we even talking about? <laughs> jerk insurance. That's right. And, or just if you feel like being a jerk. Listen, listen, people. We don't know how it works. Practically speaking, yes, that's for the suits in Washington to worry about. You just give moral implications some money, and if you feel like running off somebody off the road because they're being a jerk, we got you covered. And and that's the good thing; it's the peace of mind. It's the peace of mind knowing that if you want to be a jerk, go ahead and be a jerk. As long as the other person was a jerk, we're all jerks. Don't worry about it. Yeah, moral and implications. We'll have you covered. Moral implications. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Afternoon Yap. Uh, it's time for round three. Round three! How's this going to work, Tony? It's, I'll tell you how it's going to work. We'll do a quick recap of the final four participants we've got in the 2017 Horror Classic. We have got the alien xenomorph who has previously defeated the Predator and Michael Myers. A, a tough road to get to the final four. We got Pinhead. 
uh, who defeated the Leprechaun in a in a real slobber knocker, and uh, Freddy Krueger. Slobber knocker. <laughs> I think that's a word. Um, another, so yeah, tough road for Pinhead. Uh, we've got uh, the Lawnmower Man coming out of left field. Who has defeated... Fan, fan favorite. Fan, my fan favorite, yeah. He defeated Leatherface and Jason Voorhees. Wow, impressive. Uh, and we've got the Candyman, who has defeated Creeper from Jeepers Creepers, as well as the Killer Clowns from Outer Space to land in the Final Four. So first up, my friend, we've got Alien versus Pinhead. Uh, you could not find two more different villains... Then these two folks here. One is a very cerebral, uh, magical pervert, and the other one is an alien. <laughs> Who's can be said about all of us? I mean, who among us isn't, isn't a cerebral, a cerebral magical pervert sometimes? I mean, sometimes. I mean, if you had a couple beers. If there's no one around, yeah, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. You turn down the lights. Turn on crash test. Cinemax is on. You, know, you never know. You see that phone book. But let's get Those to it. Those girls are only a call get away. To, get to the fight. We got the alien and Pinhead. You got to ask yourself, is an alien even susceptible to Pinhead's cerebral perversion magic? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm honestly, I'm honestly just going with Pinhead because of the kind of, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? He is a very... Uh, uh, the alien is a physical monster. Yes. Where the where the where Pinhead is supernatural. More supernatural. Thank okay. you. Thank you for saving me it's from that. It's preternatural versus supernatural. The, the Pinhead would honestly it would throw bolts and wires and chains and wrap it around the alien and, and rip them apart and okay. put a, post pull them against the wall and stuff like that. It'd okay. be a Pinhead by a mile. All right, I can give that to you. Pinhead. Pinhead uh, is in the. Final two. All right. So then next we've got the lawnmower man versus the candy man. Oh my god. The candy man can. Candy man can. Candy man. He mix it. Really? All yes. right. Candy man. Wow. Who would have thought the two horror villains to make it to the final two? The lawnmower man is just such a Melvin. Well, yes, like, he's I, a Melvin. Candy why do man's I kind always, of a Melvin every time, too. Every single, every single time I think of the lawnmower man, I always think of Yahoo Serious. Is that the same yes. actor? Yes, it's, it's basically the same guy. <laughs> is I that think the same guy? Lawnmower man's hair is a little bit blonder, but, but he, you're basically right Yahoo there. Is Yahoo Serious? Like, I Pretty can't, much. I can't take Yahoo Serious serious. As the lawnmower man. Well, Yahoo Serious was in the and it's not famous fun to make fun of him Young he Einstein, is, right? Is he? He's not supposed to be smart in Lawnmower Man. He's supposed to be like mentally handicapped, well, right? Well, at first. And, and then he gets but real same, smart. But same thing with Yahoo Serious and Young Einstein, which is the only thing I know about what Yahoo Serious. a brilliant Sirius. movie. He starts off as a dummy can and then be, becomes Einstein. Can Yahoo Serious be one of the... Like the uh, the third contender at the end? He's like a, he's a support character. Okay. Candyman, right, Candyman. You got, you got Candyman. Candyman is terrifying. I, I I know that I'm not supposed to be playing favorites, but looking in the mirror and saying Candyman three times, no. or just Candyman showing up with his bees in his flesh chest. Yeah, and his and that coat, that pimp coat. Yeah, well, it's another, it's another that hook hand. Well, it's another interesting matchup, right? Because you got Candyman, who is again mi- sort of mystical and supernatural, versus yeah. Lawnmower Man, who's a, a very highly advanced but still grounded. Um, 
techno master, right? And Technology. He's got, that, he's got that deep baritone voice, Candyman does. Well, yeah. We're, 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 we're talking about a six foot five African American man, man. He's Yahoo serious. And yeah. Hey, I, I don't know how he talks. I haven't seen that not movie like that, in twenty but years. Yeah. But hey, I'm a lawnmower nope, man. That's hey. not it. Nope. No, that's, that's not, not it. it. That's not it. Hey, I'm gonna kill you. You know what? It's, it's irrelevant. It, it's okay. Get my we, we don't whacker. need it. We don't need it. It's not important. <laughs> You've already voted for Candyman, so we'll follow up at the end of the episode to determine once and for all the greatest single horror champion of 2017. Will it be Pinhead or will it be the Candyman? All right, for our next segment, we are going to review The Evil Within 2. So The Evil Within 2 is the sequel to uh, The Evil Within 1 that came out three years ago. Uh, It's a third-person survival horror video game developed by Tango Gameworks and published by Bethesda Softworks for Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. It's the follow-up to the highly divisive first entry. Uh, The first entry had a myriad of problems. You're throwing out some... Big words here, buddy. It had these really annoying boss fights pr- littered throughout the game. Okay. It ran like absolute crap. Uh, one of the things that they put big black bars on the top and the bottom of the screen, and they said it was to make it more cinematic, but that was because the game could barely run. It was being like crushed by its performance, and so the only solution to get it to barely run was to have these big black bars on top. It... Like, we played it on my one buddy's projector who has a 100-inch screen, and it was passable then. But if you're playing it on a smaller TV, like a 42-inch screen, it really limited what you could see. And it made the game a lot harder, and it was just really, really frustrating. And then it also had these really punishing stealth segments where you would be walking along, and you could not get spotted by an enemy. And if they spotted you, they killed you. And I think at the end of that game, it told you how many times you died because you were meant to die. But also, it, there was there's a difference between punishing difficulty and a game that is just unbelievably cheap. What's the setting for the first one? The, okay, so it's really convoluted. Um, and they said the director, which is this Mikami guy, which I, he is the he is the dude bro that developed and was the lead director for Resident Evil Four. Okay. which is an absolutely outstanding game released in 2005. Is What's considered... the setting for the first one? So the first one. Okay, so the setting for the first one. Uh, I Let me read the story for the second one, and then I will kind of fill in the backstory for the first one, okay? All right. It's going to be a short one. Three years after the events at Beacon Mental Hospital, Sebastian Castellanos has left the Crimson City Police Department and continues to be haunted by his experiences at Beacon the, dis- the disappearance of his wife, Mira, and the death of his daughter, Lily, in a house fire. Sebastian is then approached by former partner and Mobius agent, Julie Kidman, who reveals to him that Lily is still alive since Mobius faked her death. However, Mobius now needs Sebastian's help in saving her. Sebastian is brought to a secret Mobius facility where he meets the administrator, who further explains that Lily is being used as the core for a new STEM system to simulate an idyllic town called Union. However, some time ago, Mobius lost contact with Lily and their agents inside Union, and they no longer have any control over the STEM. Sebastian reluctantly agrees to help Mobius so that he has a chance to save Lily and enters the STEM. So what all of that nonsense means is the base, the first one was there is a company called Mobius, and they have a program that is called STEM. And what it is is it's basically a collection of people that are in pods 
and their brains sync up. Okay. And inside of inside of that is almost like a living world and is controlled by one person. And so what that is meant to Sounds do like is online dungeons and dragons. STEM is a system that allows multiple minds to be brought together and to be connected. It uses a bathtub like terminus. Subjects can be connected to one particular mind and experience the memories and perceptions of the individual. So basically what that means is you start the original game in this almost like a dream world. It is somebody's subconscious. Okay. So that gave the developers the freedom to pretty much do whatever they wanted to. And the first one developed or it, it borrowed heavily from Western horror influences. It uh, borrowed heavily from Japanese horror influences. I- but it was all wrapped in this um, Resident Evil 4 package because it was from the director of Resident Evil 4. So the combat was extremely similar. It's this kind of behind-the-back, third-person action survival horror. And much like Resident Evil did where you were constantly scarce with items, constantly low on items, the firefights were were brutal and you would barely survive them. That is basically what you got with Evil Within. So the Evil Within 1... Had a lot of really good ideas, but just the execution really fell flat. I played through it because I loved some of the settings. I loved it was just it's so violent and it's so gruesome and it's it it had some good things to like about it, but then there were some things that were so bad. I mean, I think I let I think I was so angry by the time I finished the game that I texted some of my buddies and said I give this game a two. Now, that's uh, that's. That's how I felt at the time. Okay. But that game left an impression on me because it scared the hell out of me. The enemies are gruesome and disgusting. The The environments are gross. Uh, it's very psychological horror driven, but also very just atmospheric as all hell. So this new one, they wanted to make the story a little bit more grounded. So this time you are actually looking for your daughter. And it turns out that you the, the new stem that you are in this time is actually your daughter's brain. Uh-huh. And she is missing. And the way that it works is if you die inside stem, much like if you die inside a nightmare on Elm Street, you die in real life. Right. Uh, so the, the, the gameplay, the combat borrows heavily from Resident Evil 4. Items are scarce. There's tons of melee combat, so you can along the way you can pick up axes and bottles. Bottles can be used to either bash over zombies' heads okay. or throw uh, to distract them so that they move away from you. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a stealth mechanic back in this game, but it's a little bit more complex than it was in the first time. Uh, you can use stealth to sneak around enemies, um, but you can um, also do stealth takedowns so if you if you come up behind them you can one hit kill them and you're going to need to use stealth a lot in this game because like i said it's a survival horror game resources are scarce there's a stealth indicator this time uh that is a like a three-stage stealth indicator so um if a monster sees you the eye is kind of looking around and that way that they know that they're looking for you and then Mm -hmm. if the eye is perfectly an eye that means that they are on your tail the music changes and it's all scary as all hell okay tons huge upgrade system just like the first game so um you can upgrade your weapons you can upgrade your pistol you can upgrade a shotgun you get a crossbow um much like the first game it it's very much about experimentation so the crossbow has all kinds of different bolts that you can put in it you can put a shock bolt in it which will shock the enemy in front of you an incendiary bolt that'll blow them up you can do one there's like a smoke one 
Um, so all kinds of experimentation that you can use at the game. Um, and you can and also... And these crossbow arrows are just just lying around places, right? Like you open up a drawer and, ah, oh, there's... But there's crafting, too. Somebody so left you some can, So you can find ammo books. all around the game, but there's also crafting. And the way that crafting works is you pick up uh, supplies around this kind of open world, and mm-hmm. you can go back to a workbench. Um, and when you're at the workbenches, you can upgrade your weapons with new power, your reload speed, uh, your ammo capacity, stuff like that. But the way uh, crafting works is... If you crafted a workbench, it does not take as much um, resources as it would if you do it out in the field. So that's the one thing that's kind of frustrating me about this game is there are save points in the game, which is a very Resident Evil 4 thing. So there, there is automatic saving, but if you, you are going to be going back to uh, almost like a typewriter or a computer, much like the Resident Evil games, and there are safe houses. And inside the safe house, you can upgrade your character. You can upgrade your weapons. You can, um, you can also save the game. And you can also drink coffee, which is kind of like a free health refill. Um, as you're out in the field, I'm on board with that. you kill enemies and you get green gel. The green gel is essentially experience points. Um, and then back when you're in the safe point, you can, uh, you can upgrade your character into five different trees, health, stealth, combat, recovery, and athleticism. Whenever I play these games, I just put a ton of points into health. I put a ton of points into athleticism because he is a pain in the ass and he needs to run all the time because you constantly don't have items. Uh, if a monster sees you, it actually scares you and it makes your uh, athleticism, it makes your your running ability drain, which is kind of a pain. Um, the game is a lot different than the first one, but it's building upon the, some of the things that they introduced in the first one. The first one was very linear and it was very much chapter by chapter by chapter. In this one, there are still the kind of the chapters that you go through, but there's a bunch of NPCs that you run into through the game and the NPCs will actually open up side quests. And so there's a, there's a more of an open world setting to this game. Now the open world isn't all that big. It's, it's, it's at the, at first it's the city of union, which is basically one big block full of about, I don't know, 20 or 30 buildings. And when you explore, you can find more and more resources to level up your characters, to get more ammo, and to find out more about the story. Um, You have this communicator device that's handed to you, and you use it in order to track players' voices. Uh, This helps you locate objectives, resources, and enemies. It'll also reveal uh, resonance points, which provides hints regarding what had happened to the world of Union. most for, for the most point, um, from what I'm seeing from the side missions are it's a good way to level up. It's a good way to get additional supplies. Um, I am having a ton of fun with the game. I, I had it, despite the fact that I gave the original a 2 out of a 10 when I beat it, it stuck with me. It's, it's, it's a solid 2. It's the director of Resident Evil 4, so you know that the, the gunplay and you know that the gameplay is in good hands. It's, it's really satisfying shooting. And it's very much that if a zombie's coming at you, shoot him in the head. Some of the times you'll take down the zombie. Some of the times another sick monster will pop out of its head, and you got to keep on fighting it that way. It is a very graphic game. I mean, one of the first monsters that I saw was basically this girl that had like nine heads, and she had all these saws in her, and she just chased me down this hallway. And it was horrifying because I was playing the game for about 30 minutes. So I was like, come on, where's some of that signature evil within nonsense? And then this woman came at me, and it was awful. 
And that's what the game really does. It really mixes Western horror and Japanese horror. And it just, because you are stuck in somebody's mind that is in their own nightmare, the developers can do whatever they want to. So mm-hmm. you will be in this town of Union, and you'll notice that the, the, the earth is kind of caving around itself. And, and everybody that's in there is going nuts. They're killing these zombies, but they're also killing themselves. Um, the performance of the game is much, much better than Evil Within. And that's easy to say because the Evil Within, the first one, performed really bad. I mean, the black bars... The, the real bad frame rate, the texture pop in. Um, there's some texture pop in on the Evil Within 2, but otherwise pretty good. Looks beautiful on this new TV I got. Oh, it did look pretty. God, it, it looks so good. And it's so nice to be able to play a dark game again. And I don't mean a, like a dark and sinister game. I mean, it's actually dark outside and I can see everything and I can see where I'm going. Uh, it's a more psychological horror theme this time, but like I said, still borrows a lot from Western and Japanese horror. So, Shinji Mikami, he directed the first Evil Within, and for this next one, he was just a producer on it because he trusted this new guy to be the the director. And from what I've seen in the first uh, six or seven hours, I'm already really, really pleased with it. You're chasing this enemy that you believe has your daughter. Uh, he is obsessed with uh, with photography. He is obsessed with he's murdering all these Mobius uh, agents, and you and he's leaving these kind of scenes that you can see how they were murdered as you're going through the game. Um, It's a much better return to the sequel uh, with a lot of the problems ironed out from the first one. Okay. I'm having a lot of fun. I, I honestly, there's so much going on this fall in terms of video games. And this one was my biggest, the one that I was waiting for. And that is so crazy for me to say, because I re- I hated the first one after I got done playing it, but it just stuck with me. It is survival horror. It is psychological horror. Mm-hmm. It is effed up for a you know, and it is a triple A game. Uh, that being said, it's a little bit frustrating. I don't have a PS4 Pro, but I know that there isn't any PS4 Pro support for the graphics. But eh, it's not hurting me. Um, I am extremely happy with what I'm playing so far. I'm happy to uh, to to see through this story, and so far, it just it runs so much better and it looks so much better. I, my final score is an eight. An eight. Yes. So we got one last segment, okay. and then we will finish up. The I don't want it to end. I know I don't want it to end either. <laughs> oh, you didn't get a chance to play it before we came downstairs. What? The SNES Classic. Oh, that's okay. I found one this week. I've played the SNES Original. Yeah. So I don't need the Classic. So what are your, some of your favorite games off that? Uh, Ultraman. Oh. <laughs> see, see, it's the only game. Guess what? That's not on there. It's the only game. I can't believe it. You're telling me of all the games I could have put on that thing, they didn't An put SNK Ultraman? SNK game that is widely, like, gets like fives and sixes. And says, Man. This I can't not believe very it. fun. I can't believe it. So... We don't need much backstory for the SNES Classic. It's 80 bucks if you can find one. They said that there would be significant more amount of shipments uh, than the NES Classic. Right out of the box, it comes in a very small box. It's almost shocking to look at. You pick it up, it's actually kind of hefty. Hefty. The console is small, attractive looking. It looks like a, I don't know, three inches by two inches small, cute little SNES. So it looks good down by your other consoles. It comes with everything you need out of the box. It comes with a console, 
two controllers, a power cord, and an HDMI. How long is the controller cord? So here's what's up. It does come with only six foot six foot cords, which that's not good. What was the NES Classic oh, cord length? Oh, shoot. Like two or three, something outrageous. Okay, so definitely so six, better. Six foot isn't good. You know, that's not very far at all. Well, but Candyman's six foot five. Yes. But, however, I bought cord extenders at Best Buy that were an extra six feet. They were 10 bucks for two of them. And there was a ton of them in stock, and it is the perfect. So think about this. You can either do two things. You can either buy an extra long HDMI cable and just pull it out from your entertainment center or buy these uh, cord extenders. Um, well, uh, some gripes I have about the console, um, the faceplate opens up. And that's how you put your controllers in. Okay. Uh, it's bas- it's basically the adapters that came. If you look at the bottom of a Wii controller, it's the it's the little ports that were on the bottom of Wii motes. Okay. Um, it's a little bit frustrating because I it's tough for me to get my fingernail into this faceplate and pull it down. I, I had to get a knife out a couple of times, but that's a small gripe. That's not a big deal. And they put that there so it looks like the faceplate of the original SNES. Okay. Uh, it's got a real nice clean menu system that goes through all 21 of the games. Uh, Are you going to run through them? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, there's presentation options. Uh, so there is – you can play it in 4x3. Um, you can play it in CRT, which kind of gives everything kind of that fuzziness so it looks like you're playing on an old, uh, you know, an old uh, projection TV. Or it's perfect pixel, which looks really, really good with an HDMI. The controllers are great. Comes with two controllers right out of the box. They feel great and are responsive, and they feel just like the SNES controllers that you remember. Uh, Twenty-one games, including. Are they teeny tiny controllers? Nope, they're just they're regular, regular size. size Super NES. The console is small, teeny yeah. tiny, but the Super NES controller feels great in your hands. Okay. Uh, comes with Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, Super Metroid, and yeah, what eighteen other great games. Um, the one thing that bugs me about playing emulated games is having to play in 4-3. And you know what that means, where you have the big black bars on either side. Yeah. So Annoying. that's a frustrating thing. But they have a remedy in it, and it's background options. So you could, there's like, I think there's like eight or nine. Uh, there's one which shows curtains. There's another one that shows speakers. But the one that I found that works the best so is... So still still bars, but attractive bars. Attractive bars. But they there is actually an option where you can have changing colors that actually correlate with the colors that are in the corners or in the side of the picture. And I used that, and it looked great. I, I honestly forgot about the 4x3 presentation, which is a huge thing for me. And I was able to like really, really enjoy the games. Um, a frustrating thing about it is, is you can restart any of the game that you want to with the controller holding it in your hand. You just hit L and R, uh, start and select, and you hold it down, or it'll restart the game. But however, if you want to go back to the menu, you have to you have to get up and restart, reset the system. That's a small gripe. I mean, that goes back to how lazy I am. But it's it's frustrating when I'm sitting on the couch and I'm playing Donkey Kong Country, and I was like, oh man, I want to play Super Metroid, and I have to get up. Um, <laughs> yeah, that does sound really terrible. The games look great. Um, a big argument is a lot of people say just buy yourself a RetroPie, just emulate these things. But the problem with RetroPie is there's an input lag. So uh, when you press the button, it takes a quarter of a second for the the jump to happen. But some of these games are really hard. Like you go back to Mario and you go back to Donkey Kong Country, and you need that incredible response responsive controllers for these hard platforming games and this system delivers 
They are showing up in stores. Like I said, I found two at a Walmart and I bought both of them so I could send it to my one friend. You're selling and it on eBay, aren't no, you? No, I'm not. I promise. He's got it. He sent me it All today. Right. Uh, totally worth the 80 bucks. The games look great. They feel great. The console looks really, really good. But keep in mind, you're either going to need to buy a long HDMI cable or uh, or a controller extender. So do not leave that Best Buy. Do not leave that Walmart without buying those two things. I, I give it a nine. I love it. A nine. It's awesome. And I really wish they had an NES Classic at this point, too, because of how well this system delivers. Tony Baloney. Yeah. Let's get to the single elimination. Really? The final countdown? The final, the final battle? Yes. All right, folks. Here we go. We got in the 2017 Horror Classic. Pinhead, who came through the Leprechaun and Freddy Krueger. That's a tough road. Uh, facing off against the Candyman out of left field, who had a much easier path to uh, the final battle here through the Killer cl Clowns through outer space and the Creeper. But now, facing off, you got Pinhead in the red corner, Candyman in the blue corner, Chunk, who is going to be the 2017 horror Champion. Number one with a bullet, Candyman. Candyman takes it. The Would you have ever can, thought babe. about? Would you have ever thought, given this list, you've got heavyweights on here. Michael Myers, Alien, Predator, Chucky, Jason, Leatherface. It's Candyman is that, the one that takes that, it. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to play favorites. Uh, we are we are definitely going. I think there's a rationale. Win? I think there's who a rationale. Who would win? It would be Candyman. Explain to me your and reason. How does this battle go? Okay, so Candyman would enter stage. a room. Yeah. Pinhead would enter a room. Okay. Pinhead would say something stupid, and he's in bondage, and he's in chains, and he'd yeah. say something really slow like, I'm Clive Barker. Meanwhile, there's a bee. I was developed a, by Clive Barker. A bee crawling in his ear. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> meanwhile, all the Candyman's doing is going, I'm the Candyman. I was tortured. Yeah. Don't say my name three times. And, oh, my God, Candyman is terrifying. Clive Barker. Uh, Pinhead is is basically a bunch of weird body horror. Yeah. But Candyman is a genuinely terrifying pimp. Well done pimp. pimp. Yeah. Now he's a pimp. Yeah. And and talk about his pimp. His pimp hand is strong because it's just a meat hook. Pinhead is is scary as all hell, but he basically looks like a kid that was picked on in high school mm -hmm. that turned into a monster. Mm -hmm. Where Candyman, on the other hand, is a monster a that turned into a, a pimp. pimp. <laughs> Uh, I think that's going to do it for Afternoon Yap this week. Uh, visit our new website at www.theafternoonyap.com. You can see reviews for our games on the site, as well as links to our podcast, as well as links to new video games. Uh, you can email us at afternoonyap at gmail.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at, at afternoon underscore yap. Tony Baloney. Woo! We've got an action-packed episode next week. Are you ready for the review of South Park, the fractured butthole. I could not possibly be more ready. Are you ready to talk about Silent Hill? I the guess. most sinister of psychological horror games. I think so. All right, tune in next week. Before we leave, I'm What's gonna hold. Up? I just want to hold up this mirror really quick. Okay. And then you want to do me a favor? Sure. Just look at look into it and say Candyman three times. Candyman. 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 Wait, what's that behind me? Ah! Go go. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>